Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolution's Editor-in-Chief, Amar Alawalia, speaks with John Hindenleiter, who is Director of Marketing and Communications of University College at Washington University, St. Louis. We talked to John about personalization and how to bring 21st century marketing best practices into the higher ed world. Let's get into it. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of Illumination by Modern Campus. Thank you for having me on. Now, before we dive in, we're going to be talking about the concept of personalization. We're going to be talking about 21st century marketing best practices and trying to bring some of that world into higher education. And And this is not new for you. This is a topic that I know you to be very passionate about. Um, On my bookshelf is The Death of Content as King. I think it's one of the better marketing books that I've read. And I guess I'm curious about some of your main conclusions that came to you as you were developing uh, The Death of Content as King. So The Death of Content as King is, you know, really a treasure trove of a lot of research that I have done, a lot of experiences that I have had in marketing over more than a decade of experience, a lot of that being in higher education. And what I found over time is a lot of the content marketing tactics, a lot of the tactics that that marketers, you know, have relied on as it relates to the internet for the last, you know, 20 some years don't really work as well as, you know, the way things are today. And and a lot of that has to do with the changing dynamics of platforms, how algorithms have changed, but really what the the key focus is, of course, data and how much data has changed and how we use data has changed and how that impact, you know, really can improve the marketing, make marketing scalar, make marketing more personal Um, because, you know, we're all faced with that kind of challenge as marketers and especially as marketers in higher ed. How do we reach students? How do we be more personal with those students? And, and, and how do we engage them in such a way that they not only want to choose our institution over other institutions, but you know, they f- go through the process of enrolling and then taking courses. And it's adult students when we're talking about recruiting adult students, which is where I've, what I've been working on the uh, past uh, five years now uh, at Washington University in St. Louis is the adult students, they have a lot other stressors going on. They have a lot more distractions going on in their lives. How can we maintain their interest in our programs uh, all the way through the process to completion? Absolutely. And as you said, personalization can have such such an impact on the way that an institution, the way that a division interacts with its learners. What are some of the benefits of leveraging personalization tactics when it comes to engaging your modern learners? Well, I think that the, the modern learner is experiencing personalization in so many different ways across the internet and in, in so many different parts of their lives. And in the way that Google provides, you know, personalized search results and the way that Facebook has a personalized news feed, how Amazon, when you're going on Amazon and, and the products they're recommending to you on Amazon are based again on all of these data pieces, interactions with banks, interactions with other brands, a lot of these interactions are occurring because these brands and these other organizations are using data to improve that experience. And so again, this is where personalization and data can coincide for the adult learners. They are so used to experiencing that level of personalization elsewhere 
why are they not experiencing that as much or as well in higher ed? And we could be doing more in higher ed and with regards to that. And that feels to them like they're being listened to. You know, we all have emotional experiences, you know, and uh, in relationship to products and brands and services, et cetera, and, and higher education is no different. So I think there's a lot that personalization can bring as a positive experience so that they just don't feel like a student number. I think no one wants to feel like a number. They want to feel like, you know, they're being recognized as, as a person, as an individual, their wants, their needs, uh, their emotions are being met. Let's tackle that concept in more detail because you've, sure. you've hit on something that I think is really important here. So the idea of what is the ideal relationship between a student and the institution, right? And, and that's evolved over time. You know, on the one hand, you have the recent history of higher education as being extremely cohort-based, going through the processes and the, the bureaucratic inefficiencies is simply part of growing up. But as we've gotten into this modern era, there seems to be a fair amount of pushback from, from traditionalists in the post-secondary space around the benefits of a truly integrative or interactive or student-centric learner experience. What's it going to take to start moving the needle on, on the way that higher education itself recognizes the relationship it has with learners? Pain. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's the underlying thing of what causes most change is pain. I mean, and, and again, every institution you know, approaches the adult market or adult learners uh, in, in different ways with different, like you said, the different histories of it. But if we're talking the generalization of institutions that are looking at the adult market, well, what's going to get them to change things? Well, it's, it's going to be the painful reality of not doing things, not changing with the times, not delivering a better experience to the adult learners, and finding that adult learner going, well, hey, if my time and resources and I myself are not valued at your institution, well, you're very likely not the only game in the market, especially when we talk about online and that removes state boundaries, that removes, you know, and so there's a lot more competition now. And so that pain of where you used to take advantage of the fact where you were, you know, the only option or the best option, well, now with online learning, you can get the degrees and programs from the top you know, institutions in the country. Why not take advantage of that if those other institutions are going to treat me better? And so that pain of, you know, we used to not have those competitions or not have those challenges in the old settings or the old ways, that pain of budgetary dollars being tighter at many different institutions, the pain that has resulted in, well, you know, the pandemic and various institutions have, have had to react different ways to the pandemic and the resources that they, that they bring to bear, you know, and then they look to, well, how can we grow as an institution? How can we perform better as an institution? They start looking at other markets and they realize, well, if I've been neglecting this market for the past decade, or if I've made it much more difficult for students to come in through this pathway for the past, you know, multiple decades, perhaps, then, then what I find is that no student wants to consider us. No student wants to say that, that we're going to be their first choice, second choice, or even we're in, in the consideration set because they know from the experiences that they're having, filling out requests for information and not hearing back, you know, creating applications and not hearing back. They're completing the application and all they get is a letter. Instead of personalized approaches that are meeting the student where they are, and you look at some other institutions where you put in a request for information, you're called 
within the next 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. How can I help you? Where are you at with your challenges? You fill out applications, you're called, you know, you're, you're, you're called right away. A, an appointment with an advisor is set up and all those different types of uh, attributes and things are happening to those persons. Well, what makes you feel more welcome when someone's paying attention to you and someone's doing something for you or someone's ignoring you? That flows both ways. And, and so that pain can definitely result in institutional change. Let's, I mean, let's take it even a step further, right? Like, as you mentioned off the top, we're in an environment where students' expectations are being set by Netflix, by Amazon, by Google for what personalization actually looks like. I mean, on the one hand, you have the fact that students aren't getting personalized engagement upon actively reaching out to the institution, right? They'll put in a request for information they don't hear back. But for most students, I mean, they're secret shoppers. And, and I think the points that we're making here are relevant across the board too, not just to adult learners, because even your traditional age learners today are digital natives. They've grown up as consumers broadly, right? Where 10, 15, 20 years ago, your average high school student wasn't a true consumer. I mean, they might've gone to the mall, but they weren't really doing online shopping. They weren't really using Uber. The consumer expectations for today's learners are heightened to a level that I mean, used to be exclusively relevant for the adult market. Whereas arguably, I mean, traditional students today are in that neighborhood. And if you think about, you know, their arrival at the website, why are websites so static? Why aren't we driving students toward opportunities to engage, opportunities to connect before they even make themselves sort of known to the institution, right? I mean, we have the capacity. And if I think about personalization 2.0, maybe, it almost gets away from that idea of, you know, what's the low hanging fruit, which is mm -hmm. engagement, right? Active responses. But beyond that, how do we get more proactive? Well, you know, I, I think back to some of the times in my career where we've been asked to create a more personalized student experience. And that almost always started and stopped at the application process. Mm -hmm. Let's create a student portal. You know, that was the new hotness for personalization. I almost want to say 10 years ago. It doesn't seem to have advanced much more beyond all of that. When you look at websites, well, let's add predictive searching to websites, something that Google has had for multiple decades. I, I think that when we look at you know websites and, and those different pieces, we stick to, well, we have to have these key pieces of information, the request for information, the application process. We have to know who they are. We have to know the program that, that they're interested in. Well, you technically probably already have that. The data is there, and that's one of the you know key parts of, of my book is the data is out there. You don't always have to get the data from your consumer, uh, from your student. The data is there. They're providing it to you by going to certain pages of the website. I mean, I would be interested to know whose website these days, seriously, whose website is still getting the majority of their traffic in higher education at the first page, at the homepage, versus Google sending them, and I say Google because they've got the largest market share, but Google essentially sending them to all the lower pages of the website where all the real content is. Okay, if that's where they're going, if that's the content they're seeking out, if that's the places that Google is sending them to, then what are we learning from what they're doing there and then how are they using it? But what we're not doing right now, or most institutions are not doing really, is once they you know, look at that visitation, or that association, they're looking at certain types of programs, they're coming to certain uh, pages of the website. What we're not doing is then curating the rest of the journey, which we should be able to do. If they're looking at you know, this program, then they go look at another program, they go look at another program. Well, they weren't serious about the one, they're looking for a type of program. 
Now we should be providing them more personalized content, dynamic content based on what they were visiting before. That technology is there. That technology is out there. But it's creating those connections and, and being able to put all those pieces together with the right technology platforms, the right type of platforms that can enable those types of experiences and adopting those and putting those in place versus the static pages of content. And then how can we fit as much information as we can of both the required information, all that kind of other stuff is, no, how can we personalize this information based on where they are in the student journey? Absolutely. Now, I mean, this isn't your first rodeo when it comes to marketing in the higher ed space. No, so no. we talked about a, a, a pretty, what seems like a very achievable vision for, mm-hmm. for digital marketing in the post-secondary space. Uh, the technology exists. It would be potentially revolutionary in the post-secondary space, but, you know, it would be more about how do we deliver on or maintain expectations? How do we deliver on the expectations that today's learners have for a website? What are the obstacles that you see when it comes to actually delivering this environment in a post-secondary area? I mean, when it comes to, you know, that the proactivity of, of leveraging personalization to create that great website experience and then reactivity when a student actually engages with the institution to make sure that, that they're being communicated with actively and honestly. Really two answers to that style question. Okay, so one, I think the biggest barrier to realizing a more personalized website experience for students based on data is first off time and resources. Not every institution has, you know, like we're all, you know, have a different level of time, have a different level of time to like time for the project to be completed. We want to start a project. We need to have a new website up. It's got to be up by Tuesday. Okay. And, And here we are on a Monday and we just got this assignment. The other part is resources, staff, budget, ability to be able to go out and get those types of uh, solutions to problems uh, was interacting with another institution just recently that's basically had to homegrown and build like their text messaging platform because they couldn't afford to really go out and get a text messaging service. And and so some just don't have the resources to go out there and, and get those things. So that's part of that. What's, what's the biggest barrier time and resources and that's everything in life really. The other side of the equation is bringing stakeholders in. No marketing department, no continuing education department is an island. At an institution, there are multiple silos, there are multiple groups with multiple sets of stakeholders, and you have to bring all of them in to this discussion. When we're talking about data, even the data itself sits in multiple different databases, that are possibly owned by multiple different uh, groups as well. How do we bring all of them together? How do we respect, you know, essentially that part of the process, you know, with them? How do we, and I, and I, I kind of, if you remember from the book, I, I kind of talk about having a constitutional convention of, of sorts, <laughs> where you're bringing all of these stakeholders together and you're saying to yourself, well, this is what we want to accomplish. We want to accomplish a new era of data personalization. But first, we all have to agree on some compromises here. And first, we all set to agree on some priorities. And I put together in, in my book, I, I, I talk about a data framework model called VOTE. VOTE really is what is the most valuable data, what is the most organizable data, what is the most targetable data, and what is the most explainable data. And all of those are very key. But when it comes to dealing with stakeholders, it's really that last one is explainable. Mm -hmm. 
because you have to be able to explain to each of the different stakeholders, this is why this data is important. This is why this tech, you know, execution is important. And it has to be done in such a way that the stakeholder could be coming in with a lot of their different experiences and concerns, and it has to be able to ease them through that process. And you will have done that. You will have made it easily explainable if you followed the other steps, essentially making sure that the data that you're only the data that you're seeking or it's only the valuable data. It's not all the data. Not all data is valuable. It's organizable. You know where it is. You know how to put it together. You know how to use it. And that's really that targetable component. And then when we get to explainable, being able to show everyone, this is how we're going to put all these pieces together. This is how we're going to execute on it. This is how we're going to deliver a more personalized or a better website as a result of all of that. You know, I think that's, you know, really uh, some of the aspects of how do we get there? What's stopping us from getting there? And how do we get there is we, you know, really what's stopping us is those times and resources to be able to, to tackle a project of this scope and this size. We know the technology is out there. We know the data is out there. We know the experience is out there because we see those things in other places. And then the other side of it is really the stakeholders and bringing them along, making them feel as equal to this process as you possibly can and giving each of them a decision uh, in relationship to what type of data or what type of experiences are, are possible. And I think if you do both of those, if you have those time or if you have the resources to be able to, to work on a project like this and you bring in the right stakeholders, you have the possibility of creating uh, website experiences, even in continuing education, even higher ed, of the caliber that we see in, in other brands and other ways. Absolutely. So, I mean, as we start to come into a close here, you know, I think the problem is, as we're framing it right now, is a fair amount of legwork to some extent when it comes to delivering this kind of personalized environment. And obviously, you know, there are tools, there are approaches. You could certainly look to the the Omni CMS, for example, as as a pathway to uh, a web platform that's going to drive personalization. But what would you suggest are some of the why factors? What impact would a highly personalized environment have on some of those key indicators that, that an institutional leader can look at to determine whether or not a project is the juice worth the squeeze. If you go down this route, you know, I think you can definitely measure, well, what are my retention rates, right? What are my, what are my yield rates, application rates, completion rates? Every institution will have those measurements and those key data points already. And then it's like many institutions as well, where are the pain points? And then how can I address those pain points and try to improve upon those things? And when I think about, well, you know, how can an institution start, you know, kind of levering or turning those kinds of levers or making those types of adjustments, you know, I really think to myself, well, you know, how can I measure to see whether or not it's the example? Well, a lot of your key data points are going to improve if you're doing it correctly. And you're going to see all those types of things, you know, would you recommend like the, the, the net promoter score? Would you recommend us to friend, you know, to, to friends or family? That's going to improve so much better if the experience that you've given them is, is so much more positive. The more positive it is, the more personal it is. Because again, going back to some of the beginning of things we we're talking about, no one wants to feel like a number. And if we know one of the things we talk about at University College at WashU is really, really knowing every student by their story. Well, you got to be able to get them to the point where they're willing to share that story and they've got to feel welcomed. And, and so every aspect of your journey has to, how can we make the experience more one-to-one instead of one-to-many? So I think that if you doing the right steps and doing them well, the data is going to start showing you that your interactions are having a positive impact. And those positive impacts will improve your KPIs. 
This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, presidents and provosts can work with Modern Campus to create pathways for lifelong learners while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.